Abner Mars is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mars, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing and Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mars wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. And what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 39 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. I am your host, Lucas Agan. Joining me, as always, is Ryan Smith. Ryan, how are you today? Doing well, my friend. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I was. I've been on the grind to beat Metal Gear Solid Five. I'm trying to do it before the PS5 comes out. Uh, it, it was made abundantly clear to me that it, there's no way that it's gonna happen. I was playing it, <laughs> dude, dude. I was playing it right, and I beat. Uh, I, I beat that uh, the big mech, and the, the credits start rolling. I was like, "Holy crap! I'm. I'm I. We, we did it. We we beat it. This is amazing." And then. As it ends, another cutscene happens, and then it goes, chapter, chapter two. two. Yes, I was like, what are you talking about? What? I thought the game was over. Dude, I remember that moment playing it for review. I was like, it's already over? What, what about in the chapter? is like, oh, my God. <laughs> Longest game ever. But still, I'm enjoying it. It's been fun to go back and, and, and get back into it. It's one of my favorite game series. Uh, so I regardless, if, regardless of it coming or beating it before the PS5 comes out, I am going to beat that game. How was your weekend, my friend? <laughs> I am still consumed with trying to take a first place in Super Mario Bros. 35. I've taken second a couple times. This is really bugging me. I just can't get over that hump. It's going to happen. I'm spending way too much time on it. Eventually, one day it's going to happen, and I am going to celebrate on Twitter, on Facebook. Everyone's going to know about it. (laughs) (laughs) But enough about us. We have a very special guest joining us this episode. You know him from Kind of Funny. Greg Miller is here. Greg, how are you today? I am fantastic, Lucas and Ryan. Thank you so much for having me today. It is a pleasure. And we're ready to jump right in. Let me just start, Greg, saying I have followed your career since your IGN days. I think I'm old. old. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you've obviously had such a a great career so far, but I want to take you back way to the beginning. What got you in the more journalism track and what sparked your interest in games media? Sure. I mean, the journalism track of it all starts with just the love of video games. And so, you know, I always say the journey to right now started in the fourth grade. I had an issue of GamePro and on the cover was Death and Return of Superman and on the inside was Maximum Carnage. And I read it cover to cover every night for the month, the first month I had it. And I had a little note card that had all the stores and their phone numbers written down. And every night I would call down the list of stores asking if they had the Death and Return of Superman because back in the day, the magazines just said, you know, oh, summer, it's coming in summer sometime. And I was like, all right, that could be now. And, Mm -hmm. uh, 
after a month of reading it cover to cover and just being obsessed with it, it finally dawned on me that an adult got paid to write these words. And so I snatched the magazine and I walked into the living room or the kitchen and my mom was cooking. And I said, mom, I figured out what I want to do with my life. And she said, what's that? And I said, I want to write about video games. And she took one look at me and said, okay, we can make that happen. And it was, you know, a different time because, again, I'm I'm ancient in video game years. Uh, and so it, literally it was like, all right, well, journalism would be the way to do that. And so, like, you should do that. And so I started doing the school paper and started, you know, running the school papers. And, you know, and when I was in high school, I had a professor say, hey, if you're really interested in this, you should look into this summer camp. And he handed me a journalism brochure. And I looked at the prices and laughed. But I flipped it over and it was at the University of Missouri. And he was like, it's the best, you know, college for journalism. And so I was like, all right. I'm going to go there one day, went to, went there and, you know, thought that I would graduate with a degree in journalism and walk into EGM uh, and just be on to cloud nine, perfect life, everything working out. And it didn't go that way. Exactly. I graduated with a journalism degree and nobody would touch me with a nine foot pole. <laughs> and uh, I did a year and a half at a, the local paper in Columbia, Columbia daily tribune. And after the year they gave me finally i begged and begged to beg they gave me in their magazine insert a video game column and a blog and for me that was the light switch of all right now this they still think i'm a general assignment reporter covering you know anything and everything and working the night shift now i'm their video game journalist and they don't know that and so i wrote every day in the blog every week on the column you know took national video game stories worldwide video game stories and made them central to columbia missouri and after six months of that i applied to ign and i always say that i applied and obviously this is the one I get hired on, but it was that I applied, got contact, or I, I got contacted, interviewed and hired within 24 hours. So wow. overnight, my dreams came true. And when I finally got there and had signed all the paperwork and had my desk and had my debug PS2 unit, I remember turning to my boss and being like, so what changed? And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I've been, this is all I've ever wanted to do. In the, and I looked at my Gmail, right? And after college, I had 13 attempts to get hired at IGN, just IGN. And that's just after college in a year and a half. Oh I was my like, goodness. the first 12 times, you didn't even give me the courtesy of a rejection letter. But on the 13th time, I got snatched up and, you know, ripped my life totally torn up and moved out here. Thank God. And he was <laughs> like, you proved you could do it. You know, like those first 12 attempts were given with clips of an article here and then six months later a story here and three months later like i wasn't showing that i had a consistent voice and could do this daily and once i had that six months of experience under my belt at the tribune actually being a video game columnist and a blogger that was when they're like oh he's got a voice and he knows what he's doing and he's got the skills obviously to write let's bring him in here you know when you apply to IGN 12 times and as you put on that one email, mean, there was a lot on my college email too, but I don't have access to that anymore. <laughs> you know, and you don't even get the rejection letters there. Was there ever a time that you thought, I'm just not going to try for IGN, I'm just going to try somewhere else or I'm not going to apply to oh, them? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. The, like, I applied everywhere like it wasn't an ign thing i wasn't an mm -hmm. ign fanboy if anything i was an egm fanboy when you go back and uh if not, when you go back like when you go to the greg miller uh, museum my dad had. <laughs> <laughs> when i graduated high school like as the outgoing editor-in-chief of the paper always wrote like the 10-year reunion story and like you it's just fiction writing about it but my story was that i went to mizzou got a degree in journalism and came back and worked at egm because egm i was i'm from the suburbs of chicago egm was originally based in a suburb of chicago mm -hmm. so like I thought it was like, this is going to be the easiest thing in the world. And when I was in college, 
uh, I'll never forget it. You know, I mean, I just moved back. It was sophomore year. I opened the new EGM and there was a letter from Dan Shu, the editor in chief saying, Hey, we're moving to San Francisco. Like uh, the entire industry is in San Francisco. So we're moving to San Francisco. And I remember reading that going like, Oh, I'm going to end up in San Francisco one day. And I applied at EGM, one up, GameSpot. You know, uh, I I the closest I got before getting at IGN was I had a interview with Inquest Gamer, which was a subs- subsidiary of Wizard Magazine, the comic book magazine. Inquest was board games, but they were getting ready to start an actual video game section. And so I had an interview with them, and I fucking blew it. Can I curse in this? Because I fucking blew it. <laughs> and I'll, I won't curse after that. Uh, and it was, yeah, I, and so like I applied everywhere. The IGN just stands out because that's the one I got, and I went back and looked at them all. I'm sure if I went back and looked at GameSpot and EGM and 1UP, you'd see a similar story. You know, you joined IGN at a really interesting time. Prior to going there, did you do a lot of like video work or anything like that? Because IGN, at least at that time, seemed like they were making that transition into doing a lot more multimedia content there that that you obviously became a huge part of. Yeah, no, it's, you you know, it's a lot of uh, luck and being in the right place at the right time. Uh, No, I had done none of that really ahead of time. I always talk about it, you know, that when I was at the trim and i was doing the blog and the columns i did a column about these guys uh who are called short attention gamers and they were doing a podcast from campus and they were one of them was a teacher and he was teaching like audio stuff so he had like the ability to do it and i remember that was the first podcast i'd ever really heard of and by the way this would have been what 2006 2006 i would say yeah that i was working on this stuff first podcast i'd ever heard of and the first podcast i was ever on and i was just tangentially on a couple times and so I, outside of that, like for the paper again in the blog, like I, I, when I covered the launch of the PS3 and the Wii, I took my digital camera and recorded clips there and little interview segments and put those up on YouTube. And they did really well because it was like first PS3 leaves Walmart. And this is did really well for the time kind of thing. But it never dawned on me to turn the camera on myself and talk. It never dawned on me to make my own podcast and do that every day and all that stuff. I was still in a different industry. And I always talk about it. It's interesting you bring this up because what I always say when I explain my IGN journey is that I, I was the last hire of the old guard of IGN and the first hire of the new IGN. And that might not make a lot of sense, but the way I always put it is I got hired by the people who founded the site. Like you talk to everybody who was there, right? And it's not like you talk to people who work there now or even me, right? Like, this is my dream. This is all I've ever wanted to do. I went to journalism school to do this. What about you? And he's like, I, you know, I dropped out of school. I never did anything. I ran a comic (laughs) book shop for a while and that closed. And then I started doing this. And I, it was like, it was just people who fell into it and, but their work inspired me. And I think so many of the people now, right. To want to do that and see a career in it. And so I was the last hire of, the hey we're just a bunch of dudes and girls who are making this thing and whatever you know what i mean and then but i was also the first hire under when they had just been bought bought by fox interactive media and like i say it not in the evil wwe way but like as they became a corporation as they became a real place of business you know what i mean and had like real hr and all this other stuff that you take for granted nowadays but it was that i got there and you know my brother in arms through all this was damon hatfield and he was doing a thing called game scoop and they were in they were at episode i, I want to say when i started they were at episode 20 but maybe it was 23 like that's how early game scoop was and it was exactly what you're talking about lucas where we came in and people like Pear schneider who's still at ign right and running it he was very much like 
editors need to get on camera and they need to be personalities. And literally the old guard was like, I don't want to do that. And I love him to death and he, I learned so much from him. But I remember Craig Harris in particular, you know, storied Nintendo editor, did more than a thousand reviews at IGN. I remember him being like, Dude, I want to. I got. I, I write about games. I don't want to be on camera and talk about them. I don't want to be on these podcasts. And I remember me and Damon were like, I, "This is awesome. Let's go do this." All and it was that thing of we led the charge of that, and really, I think broke down that door that now is so obvious. But authenticity, where it was like, you know, I was it not hired to be an on-camera personality <laughs> and try they hired a lot of hosts after i got hired as a writer that they did not need greg on a per- that but it was that i got hired and then what three or four months later it was episode one of podcast beyond like as a founding member of that and that was such a we did so much right not knowing we were doing it right i always talk about you know when um we started doing up at noon and they sent me to my first VidCon, which if you don't know, VidCon is a YouTube convention. Now it is way more like go meet your favorite YouTubers. But when we started going, it was very much, it was that as well, but it was very much like go to panels and learn about YouTube, learn from other people's successes, what you could be doing differently. And I remember sitting in these things and this is what led to me starting my own YouTube channel, which then became kind of funny and then became this career. Uh, But I remember sitting in there and I had thought for the longest time that, I had missed the boat on YouTube that, you know, if I had just been smart enough to turn the camera around when I was talking about the PlayStation 3 and we, if I had been doing my own vlogs back then, I could have been the Phil DeFranco or I Justine of video games, right? But what I failed, what that convention taught me, that first VidCon was, it wasn't that I had missed the boat. I had just been doing it for IGN because you'd sit in these panels and it would be like, well, like, here's a bunch of different people. And if I said this word, do you know who it goes to? And it was like catchphrases for different YouTubers and stuff. And they're like, this is important to community. And like, and I was like, oh, like beyond. You know what I mean? Like, I never started saying beyond on the podcast because I need a catchphrase. I need that. You know what I mean? It was a, a joke that resonated in the room that then we kept doing forever and then became to this day, people screaming at me on the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we had done so much right without trying because we were authentically into all this and wanted to talk to people about video games and i think that is the power of the content i produce and kind of funny produces and we know that now and we didn't then but i always talked about writing reviews the way i writing the way i would talk to my best friend in my basement about games growing up my best friend poe Mm -hmm. that's how i wrote my reviews and to this day that's how i podcast and Luckily, after 13, almost 14, next year, 14 years of this, like I've learned uh, the sacred space we inhabit with people where I am with you for your best times and I'm with you for your worst. You know what I mean? I'm in your ears when you're having a great day at work and I'm in your ears when you're having a bad day at work. And, you know, I think COVID went the complete opposite direction I thought it was where I was like, this is going to be tough for our business. We're going to see a drop in numbers when in reality, we saw numbers go up across the board for podcasts and for YouTube because it was people needed that. They needed their group of best friends. They needed socialization again. And that's what you get when you listen to a show because you can read IGN. You can watch a video on GameSpot. You can get the news any number of ways, but you show up to a podcast because you like the hosts and the camaraderie. You like them BSing around me and, you know, Gary just came off of games daily and it's us making fun of Kevin and talking about this. And what did Gary get into last? It's so much more than just, Hey, here's what the PlayStation five video today revealed. It is us being there with you. And it's so core to my identity, but we're even on game scoop. I was like, 
I distinctly remember, and I'm sorry that I'm rambling so much. I'll let you You're get fine. A, I'll, I'll let you get a third question <laughs> at some point. But I remember on GameScoop, you know, when I went through my divorce, and again, I did the Midwest thing of getting married incredibly young. When I went through my divorce, I remember having this conversation and getting breaking down, I think, for the first time on a podcast and crying and explaining it's not that I'm sad, it's just that I'm getting choked up thinking about how much you mean to me. And it became that idea that I that we call our audience best friends to this day. But it was this idea of like, by listening in on me hanging out with my friends, you get to know me in a way that even my the people I would consider real life best friends, my parents who don't know me. Those conversations on the phone once a week don't go that way. But when you show up to hear me talk about games, but inevitably I start talking about Portillo and what Jen and I are doing or what we did over the weekend, <laughs> like you get into such a minutia of somebody's soul. And even though I don't get to hear the person who's listening tell me the same information, I understand the connection we have to each other. It's funny that because uh, I'm from Central Illinois, uh, oh, nice. by Where? Farmington, uh, by oh, yeah. Farmington, Illinois, and Peoria. Yeah, yeah I went yeah, to Western, yeah. so I was like, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, dude, like you're, you're speaking my language here. Um, no, yeah, and and I agree, and, and there's something important too that I that I wanted to point out, and I feel like you know through throughout you know episodes that we've had and guests that we've had, there seems to be a common theme of just being persistent and really going, putting the work in uh, to achieve the dreams or the goals that you have. Um, you know, obviously you've, you know, you've, you've, you know, completely uh, been successful and, and you were able to, you had a dream, you went for it and, and, and everything. And that's where that, that gets us to kind of funny, um, you know, tell us more, especially with the situation that we're in and with the lockdown, you, you spoke on that a little bit uh, with everybody being in and, and more numbers. What are you guys doing on your side to kind of take advantage of that? Or maybe, you know, looking to be uh, a little innovative. Cause I feel like this is a great time uh, to kind of be innovative because everybody is now forced into this digital space. Right. Yeah. I mean, you figure, you know, 2020 started in a, a, a way different way than it's going to end for us. Right. And that's everybody. But for our company in particular, right, like, you know, kind of funny, we're a incredibly small right now, nine, nine full time people uh, that make daily podcasts and YouTube videos about mainly video games. But we have a, that's kind of funny games. We have a channel called kind of funny. That's everything else. And so, you know, we have this if you're watching right now, state-of-the-art studio that we've been in since 2016. Yeah, that sounds right. And we adore, but, you know, we launched in 2020 and we hired Blessing Eddie Oye Jr., you know, another Illinois boy from Champaign. Uh, yeah. hired, hired him, moved him from Seattle, announced that, hey, we have a new studio that we're building out right now. It's three times the size of this one. Like, we're going huge and we want to launch that in August. And, you know... At, 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 same for, story for everybody, but three months later, all that got put on hold, right? Everybody ran, we had to run to our houses and suddenly go from being a place that is, hey, this is how we do this every day with each other, this communal aspect, these different sets, these different shows to, hey, now everybody's talking into a camera in their house and have to iterate off of that. And it's, you know, the same thing I say all the time is I can't give enough praise to Kevin Coelho on our staff, who is our, you know, everything. I don't even know what you, I, I'm, you know, well, I guess I'm technically CEO. I have no idea anymore what Kevin's title is, but <laughs> Kevin's the guy who makes all this happen to the point that, you know, for us with COVID, it went Thursday. We were like, hey, everybody, people are starting to work from home, but we're not going to do that yet. We're going to see what happens. 
Then Thursday that night, I was at a grocery store and it was like every pandemic movie you've ever seen of people just grabbing things. And I got mm-hmm. back to the car completely shell shocked. And Tim, my other co- one of my co-founders, called and was like, we're stupid, right? And I'm like, yeah. So we went from Thursday, <laughs> hey, kind of be ready for this till Friday. Of like, hey, you're working from home, effective Monday. And Kevin, yep. over the weekend, pulled it together to get us up and running. And since then has iterated such a number of times to the point of like, the amazing camera I'm using, these crazy lights that I'm using, the stream deck, like all stuff that I think you, the people you usually talk to who are streamers and on the grind and all this stuff, they're used to. But for us and me in particular, right, coming from IGN, already having a state-of-the-art studio, right, to when we started the company from a spare bedroom in our house, uh, you know, there was a day where I'm literally at the table crying and Kevin walks in because I couldn't make OBS work with whatever. I, I'm not the tech guy. I couldn't make any of it work. And I was just crying. And Kevin's like, I can take care of this. And he's from then on taking care of it. And like, you know, yeah. like it's a weird thing of people would listen to us if we just gathered around an iPhone and talked. But like, we want to deliver a product that is at least on par with what we want it to be. Like, we're not there, obviously. I think, you know, all this broadcasting from home stuff and having been in the same studio forever, right? It's not exactly what we want, but we're making the best of it. And it's been awesome to see the audience understand that and flock to it. And I think for us, it took a lot of pressure off of what do you want from the shows? It's given them identity. I think the games content, that takes care of itself. You know what the news show for Games Daily is going to be. You know what a first impression of a game is supposed to be. But for kind of funny, you know, we do a thing called the kind of funny podcast, which is just us getting together and talking. And, you know, the old versions of the show used to be, we each brought a topic to the show and talked about it. And so they were serious. They were not yada, yada, yada. And when we noticed the, the kind of funny podcast numbers were going up, even though we were just horsing around more than ever. Right. And it was also like lamenting the situation. And obviously there's way worse situations happening right now in the pandemic, but lamenting our own as we all do and struggle with we asked the audience what was going on with that. And it was this, you know, response of like, no, well, you know, we want to hang out with you. We miss the interactions we were having with other people. Like we just want some normalcy in this show and you guys being together gives us that. And so it's been, I would say, honestly, and obviously in a lot of respects, there's more pressure on us than ever, but in some, in terms of how to make that content, it really relieved the pressure of like, okay, people are here for us. And that means we can do whatever we want with it. When you started kind of funny, or at least when you left IGN to pursue this full time, has the goal or vision that you had evolved over the years? Like what is different today looking ahead than it was, say, in 2015? Yeah, it's definitely changed. But the change I would say is that everything's happened faster. It was that, you know, I think when you look at kind of funny as an entity from its origin, it's all been exponential in terms of how it's happened, where I started it to make a YouTube channel, to learn how to use Premiere and make dumb videos. And in doing that on my own, I got Nick and Tim and Colin involved to a place where they were excited about it. And so then it becomes, you know, us doing the Game Over Greggy show every week together and this channel evolves into something differently there. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're working with an MCN, so we're actually making a bit of money from it. And as you look down the, you know, the pipeline, right, it would have been, what, 20... Uh, we broke away in 2015. So 2014, right? In the fall of summer of, you know, we had a meeting. We would call these weekly meetings to talk about what we we're doing with the channel. And it was this conversation of like, could we do this full time? Like, could we break away? Because like, you know, different people had different, you know, uh, 
timelines and how long they'd been at IGN and what they were thinking and what they wanted to do. And it was that idea of like, you know, the content we're making isn't game related. So if we leave and can make games, it's a completely different ballgame to begin with. And so we had a conversation and it was, everybody go home and come back next week with the number you need to survive, which of course is you're paying your rent, you're paying your car and you're eating ramen noodles. Like what do you need to survive right now? That's the bare minimum. Came back with those numbers the next week. We looked at the paperwork and it was a universal, oof, okay, maybe <laughs> maybe in a year and a half, two years, we'll be able to make this off of AdSense and whatever MCN ad we're reading or whatever. And uh, like two weeks later, I went to another VidCon and on the way there, uh, Tim showed me an article on his phone. And it was about Patreon. And he's like, have you heard of this? And I was like, kind of, it's Kickstarter, but it's not right. He's like, yeah, when we get back, we should look into it. I was like, all right. We went to the VidCon. We did a panel, stepped off the panel. We're taking photos, talking to some folks. And as we were talking to them, these, this group walked by and they did the double take and they ran over and they're like, oh my God, Craig Miller from IG. And I was like, hey man, yeah, what's your name? And I'm talking to them. I looked down and one of them was wearing a Patreon shirt. I was like, oh my God, you know the Patreon mm. guys. And he's like, yeah, I'm the vice president. And, and I was like, whoa, well, you are Patreon. And it was like, whoa, like kismet, man. And they're a SF company. And so we were like, we kind of gave them the heads up. And like, let's get a meeting. And we got a meeting and there, it was like when they moved into their first amazing office. And it was like, literally they were moving things in. There was still the plastic wrap all over the windows. And we went in there and explained where we were and like, you know, we're thinking about rebranding is kind of funny because before that we were game over Greggy, which was great for me. Uh, terrible for the three <laughs> other people working for the company. That makes no sense when you explain that you work for game over Greggy. So are you Greg? No. Okay. Uh, weird. <laughs> and so like, we're going to do this and we want to do that. And like, we, we think about breaking off, but we don't know. And Patreon was like, no, no, this is for you guys. And so, you know, in what was it august of that year or yeah 2014 we launched the first patreon and rebranded as kind of funny and did a viral video with hunter pence and in the first 24 hours on patreon we were making ten thousand dollars a month and that was that moment for us where we all looked at each other and we're like they're they know what kind of funny is it's a known quantity and they know that we're not talking about games they know that the things we're famous for talking about we can't do because we do that for ign and it was like, so what would happen if we left? And that, do you figure then January 5th, 2015, like, you know, less than five months later, right? We're out on our own. We're doing it on our own. Like, where where do you see it going forward? What's your grand vision? If we're talking in 2025 here, where is kind of funny at then that it's not at today? For me, it's in the new studio, knock on wood, right? Like, I... <laughs> That's the, the speed at which we're talking, right? Because when we started on our own, it was just the four of us. And Kevin had been helping part-time, but Kevin also worked at IGN. And so it was this idea of, we can't do that now. We don't want to get him in trouble. And it we'll hire Kevin maybe in six months, maybe a year. And after a month and a half of running it, it was like, we need Kevin. And so we figured out how to get Kevin and Kevin quit and came there. And it was like, maybe we'll have a studio in two years. A year, a year and three months or whatever in, we had a new studio. And like, to be where we're at now of nine full-time employees, you know, what is it? Five part-time contractors, uh, you know, editor people we use around the world. We've already gone so far. So 
you know, in 2025, the hope is that we're in this amazing studio and we stream more like right now, and which I know is if you're a fan or whatever, and you, or you have a basic understanding of streaming, it sounds weird because we stream every day for at least two hours, usually, well, at least two and a half. And then usually you put a pocket, I'm talking about streaming a game and having a vision for that. Like we are known for our opinions on games. We're not known for you coming to watch us play games. So mm-hmm beefing that up you know we've had a lot of success this year with doing a pilot program for the x cast which is our kind of funny xbox podcast i would love a switch podcast i would love a pc podcast that involves having the bandwidth to make those shows happen but also more importantly having the right people on board and so that's the thing about it where you know we keep hiring or partnering with now with the part-timers the right people and so it's about having this content strategy of Kind of funny is whatever goofy idea we want it to be, but we also want it to be this organic, goofy idea with the community of what they want it to be. And so that's what it is. It's about growing smartly. It's about filling out this new studio when we can get in there with the right people. And the right people, you know, we always talk about it. Well, we're nine now. Tim and I always sit there and have these conversations of like, there's no way. Our vision is never to be, and this is not a knock against anybody. Our vision is never to be IGN, GameSpot, Rooster Teeth, right? Like we're talking, you know, 2025, maybe 18 people work there. You know what I mean? Like we're not trying to explode. We're not trying to be this thing. That's not where our power is. Our power is our personal connection to the audience. And I think since I started getting popular, people have asked me, like, do you worry about losing that? And I think as long as we can be authentic and we bring in other people who are authentic and, you know, I'm not saying it every time it'll happen this way, but as long as we keep hiring from the community, like all of our staff, full-timers, right, are hired from the community. Nobody's some unknown quantity you don't know, like blessing one prom king at the kind of funny prom like he's been around <laughs> joey yeah. our you know was active in the community long before we hired her to originally be community management now i think she's got some weird title of like production whatever the hell she does because she keeps us all on task and make sure we get the shows done and reminds me all the time to record the thing i haven't recorded like <laughs> it's how this works because it is organic andy cortez you know made amazing art for us and we we you know hired him for some shirts and he made us some emotes and then finally it was like this conversation of wait do you want to come work for us full time and make a show and do this thing and like that's how it always works with us is that people come from the inside like we're that's the kind of community we're building because we're it's the same it's the same story as it was on january 5th uh, 2015 i said you know we're not building this for you we're building this with you you are in on the ground floor of something here and i think even if you came in today it's still the ground floor like we're not trying to be a high rise here we're trying to make cool stuff for our friends it's, yeah, and I think that's so important that that you, especially on the community aspect of things, I feel like that's where a lot of people uh, really kind of miss the mark as far as being in the digital space and, and creating content. It's really, you know, people are flocking there, number one, because there's a, a, a sense of belonging, being a part of a community. And you get, and, and you guys obviously are, are coming at an approach with authenticity, and that resonates with people, you know, to the max. And I, I just love hearing that. Not only that, though, let me ask you, uh, with with, you know, so much equipment and and things being uh, so much more consumer friendly, what kind of advice would you give to someone that's looking maybe to go down this path or start a podcast or something like that? I would say the same thing and it's do it. You know, I mean, it's literally the advice. It's not even the advice. It's what didn't lead to me getting the job at IGN for so long. I wasn't doing it. I, you know, I always talk about it. Like I knew in the fourth grade, I wanted to review video games. When did I write my first video game review? I wrote it when EGM put out a call for the wanting somebody on the review crew in like my sophomore year of high school. 
that no wonder I didn't get that job. I should have been doing it every day. Cause and you've talked about it earlier in this podcast, right? Like this stuff is tough and it's a grind and there is no overnight success. There isn't somebody who just shows up and does it. There can be that you've done something for years and all of a sudden you're playing Fortnite and that's the biggest thing in the world. Like, Oh my God, you get propelled to that stage, but there's so many years of work behind that. And so you know, I should have been writing every day. And when I finally did, that led to great things and led to me writing professionally every day, which led, you know, so on and so on and so on. If I was, if people always come up to me and meet and greets and they're like, Hey man, yeah, it's great. You really inspired me to start my own podcast. I'm like, Oh my God, where can I listen? Oh, well, I haven't started it yet. Like I don't have the right mind. And I'm like, that's an excuse, man. Like you have, like, look at the phone you just took the photo with, sit down and do it. Cause guess what? Your first hundred podcasts are going to be garbage. Like, like, I remember being on IGN podcast when I got hired and it was that constant thing of like, am I too close to the mic? Don't go. Am I breathing into the mic? Can they hear me? Oh, when do I, all right. He's almost done. Oh, I missed my chance to say to the point. I'm just not going to say anything. Like that's how this (laughs) is. And it sounds so funny, but it is, this is a muscle and you need to understand that and be able to exercise and go. And so like, if it's, you want to do podcasts, if you want to make videos, if you want to Twitch stream, go and do it. There's never going to be like, Oh, I want to get the perfect graphic. Oh, I want to get this perfect thing everybody's career in this world is a fixer upper and you start with what you got and you build on it there and you invest as you go until the point that somebody gets there for the first time they've never heard of you and they love your graphics and they think you're really entertaining they think this is great and they think that this all fell out of the sky they don't go back and watch the two years of shows that weren't great you know when you talk about that connection and i think that's obviously one of the things that's always stood out about you is that connection you feel listening or reading or watching you did that require a change in thinking? Because I'm thinking back to journals in school back in, in my day, back in the old days now, I guess you could say. Where that, <laughs> that definitely wasn't taught. That was definitely the opposite way where you're supposed to not insert too much of yourself. So did that require a change in the way you thought about it? Yes, no. You know, I think the fact that I was still doing traditional journalism at the paper, then gave me the outlet of the video game column and blog. Luckily, at the time, the Tribune had an amazing uh, staff of uh, uh, opinion writers that had all sorts of things and characteristics and that were already showing you that like, yes, on that page, obviously, is the news you're getting about the town hall and what's going on with the Columbia Housing Authority. Here is where you're getting the personality injected into it. And so from that, it was easy to pivot that into what I would do at IGN then. And then you know again when i came in it being the wild west like i you know you want to talk about like the differences of what we did as journalism school versus that i will never be i will never be as horrified professionally is when i finished my <laughs> i finished writing my first review for ign i walked over to my boss chris roper and i was like cool my review's done he's like all right publish it and i was like do you want to read it or like proofread it? And he's like, no, just put it up. And I was like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Where like, People used to make fun of me so much coming from J school where, or in, in the paper even, but you know, I would finish the review and then I would print it off and I would sit there with my red pen and my dictionary, just in, in my AP style guide. And I would go through and make all my notes that I, I screwed up and people were like, oh my gosh, who is this kid? Cause like it drove me crazy at IGN at the time because you'd, there were, there were, you would look at one article maybe two and you would see okay spelled four different ways and i would be like guys we gotta pick how do we say okay here there's there has to be a style guide and there wasn't like it being able like it was trial by fire there in terms of just go out and make the content you wanted to make and so like for me to inject myself into a review a lot 
it was never so much like, oh, well, you know, this, that, and the other. It was usually trying to set the, uh, somebody who reviewed a lot of PSP games early on, setting the stage for where I was playing and what was happening, and then getting into the game mechanics themselves. I think the Trib gave me that nice bridge between J School, which was so rigid, like you're talking about, to then being able just to, you know, talk at IGN. What is it like knowing that you have fans? I mean, what, when you initially had people coming up to you for the first time, and that's, was that, I mean, that's got to be a unique experience for those first couple of times. Sure. And what's interesting about it is that it all happened so gradually that it was never weird. And I think, again, you, you say fans and I say fans too. It's not, so this isn't me correcting you at all. There is no better way to put it. I like the best friends moniker though, because like, I have that celebrity that I think, again, I've I've D-list internet celebrity. Don't get me wrong. But (laughs) (laughs) when I do get stopped in public, which happens often or before COVID happens often, like it was always the interaction you'd want, which is somebody coming out like, you're Craig Miller. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that review you did of this. What are you playing right now? I'm playing this. All right. See you later. All right. Oh, hey, actually, can I get a photo? Sure. No problem. All right. See, like it's never the weird like throngs of people chasing me or whatever every time i run into somebody it's always the same thing and it is two friends catching up it's just it is like uh, back to my you know best friend metaphor from before it is like when i call poe or whatever and because i and i've learned over the years how that works and what it and what it becomes and that was weird i think you know where i remember distinctly in the early days of beyond and game scoop going to paxes or whatever and meeting somebody and they'd be like oh my god greg i'm like oh my god what's your name oh, my name's this all right cool and we'd stand there awkwardly <laughs> and they wouldn't say anything and i would be in my head like i they i suck they don't know this isn't what they wanted this isn't and i remembered at an ign meet and greet what maybe a, a year after all this started happening or whatever but it's hard to quantify i remember the same thing happened you know i'm tim hey tim i'm greg hey and i was a little drunk and i was like oh, i'm sorry and he goes, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not what you, you're not talking. I'm not what you thought. I, you don't know. And he's like, no, like, you don't understand what this is like. Like, I listen to you every day and you talk to me. I don't know how to talk to you. And I was like, <laughs> oh. And so now when it happens, it's the easiest thing in the world. Because I'm Tim. Hey, Tim. And I wait. And if there's nothing, I'm like, so what are you playing? And that's the thing. You're right into it, right? Like, you know, before COVID, we would throw these kind of funny live events and have 1,500 fans from around the world come hang out with us. And I would send off this PDF, you know, explaining what's going on and attractions. But I would always put in there so bold and at the top of it, like, if you are coming here alone, you need to understand you are not alone. And when you're in line, turn to the left, turn to the right, talk to those people. They are here for the same reason you are. You can already start with what's your favorite game? What are you playing right now? And, you know, carry your Vita, carry your DS, now carry your Switch. Like, they are there for the same thing you are. And I think, you know, it's funny. I would describe myself and I think most people as introverts. Like, you know, being gregarious and outspoken and talking to people is uh, not something I was born with. And I think all the time, too, when I was at IGN and I was not doing the video stuff and it was more podcasty, but I was mainly a writer... I went on the same press tours every every month, we'll say, right, to see whatever game. And you would see the same people in the airport, at the party, at the whatever. And we all stayed in these little cliques with who you worked with or who you, honestly, who you worked with. That's all it was. And I will never forget the first time I talked to Scott Butterworth, uh, formerly a long time ago, of the PlayStation magazine. And it was like, oh, my God, like, 
you're awesome. And we've been together for years and I've never spoken to you. And it was that thing of like, it was always that junior high dance where everybody goes against the wall. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know who anybody is. Maybe you do know who they are and you're scared to approach them, right? And like, now, of course, it's a completely different world. You look at everybody cross-collaborating on every podcast, people leaving IGN, going to GameSpot, going to whatever, going to Polygon, starting their own thing. Like, every the amount of people we have on Kind of Funny. But it is that thing of, I think a lot of, not I shouldn't say a lot of it, but for many of us, the gamer in us or whatever, like, it is such a, solitary activity it is you playing on the couch with a headset or what you know playing a game or for me growing up in a group of friends that liked video games but nobody loved games like i did and so it was that i i read egm and connected to those personalities the way people watch our videos or listen to our podcasts and so i get that relationship and i understand being that person who is a mother of three you know what i mean you have a real life and real responsibilities and then you get to play games at night but who do you talk to about games? And so when I get to meet you at the meet and greet, it is that moment for everybody to be on the same page and there for one thing. I love that. Yeah, that is part of the the fun. Is like, I mean, literally, it's just getting to talk about video games. You know what I mean with friends, which is like, again, it still blows my mind. It's like, wait, we get we get paid to talk about video games. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's a good gig you know, if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you: if you had the the opportunity to collaborate with anybody in the world, who would it be, and and what kind of collaboration would you guys create? Oh man, I want The Rock. Come on. Boom. let's get it let's get it going dj you know what i mean like yeah like uh, the rock is my great white whale where i was lucky enough at kind of funny life three to have him send in a video introducing me and that was that germinated from i don't even know a year before in multiple years before us talking about him on the podcast and him actually listening to it like he got tagged in it and he listened to it and he didn't listen to the first five minutes of it he he listened to the entire thing and tweeted about listening to it and then started responding to it as he was listening, like all the different things. Like <laughs> that was mind blowing. And so like he is the busiest human being in the world, but I just want to get, a, we have cool friends with him. I just want to sit down and talk to him and I want to talk to him about what it's like to be the rock, what it is to be this guy who has the world at his fingertips at any given moment. And, you know, as infamously started off with seven bucks in his pocket, like, that I want to I want to podcast with The Rock, not even about games, right? I just want to talk to him. That's cool. He would be That's an amazing legit. guest. That is for sure. I agree with you a thousand percent. There, <laughs> you know, I think what what drew me to you two through the years too is is the fact that you've been so open uh, about the good and the bad, which you know, especially when you got started, was non-existent at all at least an extreme rarity so when you've gone through things um like your battle with cancer and whatnot and and through all your ups and downs why was it important to you because i know it's it's hard you see a lot of celebrities not do the exact opposite they want to keep their private life uh away from their audience um so what kind of went into to you to take that that opposite track sure um I mean, for me, as hokey as it sounds, but it's definitely the theme of this. It was authenticity. Like, I feel like I long a long time ago. I, I you know, like I don't know how much you want to trace it all back to Superman, but it all goes back to Superman, right? <laughs> being truthful, right? And it's that thing of I couldn't ever lie to my audience, right? I couldn't ever lie on a podcast because it, it's what I talk about all the time, or not all the time, but when it comes up, right? Of like 
I know so many people use authenticity or best friends and they want to say, oh, this is all buzzwords and marketing and yada, yada, yada. But legitimately, the only commodity we have is authenticity and being ourselves. And if we were to sacrifice that, you know, people, not everybody, but like in the early days, people would worry about like sponsorships or something. And it's like, Folks, if I was to take a sponsorship from them, if I was going to go host EA Play, and part of the rules of EA Play were, cool, you're never allowed to talk bad about EA again. You're never allowed to you know, give an honest <laughs> opinion. I'd be like, no, I won't do this. And even if I did that, if you caught me being like, listen, guys, Anthem gets a bad rap. Like, no, like, we are, you know, <laughs> right? you off the stage. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Anthem's gameplay, but come on now, come on. Really? You know what I mean? Like, it's, so it's, for the good and the bad when the door i mean the door was never closed i guess so it was always open so when Mm -hmm. the bad started to come whether it was like i talked about earlier divorce or yeah cancer it was always like it was never even a question like i've always found that uh, question and uh, conversation interesting of at no point when i was diagnosed with cancer was i like oh man i'm gonna try to hide this that would never even register that was never even a thing if anything i think i was more anxious to get it out there as quick as possible. You know what I mean? Like I was talking about it the night before I put up the blog post and the night before I told everyone at IGN, I was like frantically calling my family and friends before a pizza arrived (laughs) to be like, Hey, this is what's happening. I don't want you to hear about it on the internet tomorrow. Like this is what's going on with me. Like I just feel for who I am and who I am as a person and who I am as a personality or who I, whatever you want to say, like, like there's just, there was no other option. There's no other option than to talk about what's going on in my life because that's already the part of the deal. If all of a sudden tomorrow I was like, you know what? I'm not going to talk about anything but games that would in, on a game podcast that would drastically change everything about the show and who I am and how I talk and how I act and what I do. And so it is that thing is you have to live unflinchingly like in that's a huge turnoff to a lot of people. You know what I mean? Kind of funny is not, I mean, we're, lucky enough to be very successful, but we're not like 3 million subs on YouTube. We're the best. You know what I mean? Like we are very much a thing that caters to a very specific person. And I love that because it again, brings in the right kind of people. Like, you know, we, from launch day, we've always said like, cause at IGN, we couldn't say it, but like here we say it all the time. Like we don't want to ask if you want to come here and be a prick in the comments, go away. We don't want your money. Take it. We don't need John Patreon. We don't need that. That's good. I like that. I like that. When when you look back on your career so far, not that it's anywhere close to being done. If you had not, not <laughs> if you had not gotten that job at IGN, do you think that you would have still taken a similar track to where you are today? Was this always inevitable, or or how do you think it would have changed? I wouldn't have quit. You know what I mean? Like it, it, when you start doing the sliding doors, forking paths, it gets into a. Well, yeah, if I eventually get hired at EGM or 1UP and I'm working with Klepek and like that breaks, like, you know, if I ended up at GameSpot and I, you know, I was obviously working at IGN when Gersman was fired and then that went on to become Giant Bomb, right? Like all of those different things, there's a million different wrinkles to it, but I would never have quit. That was the thing. I remember distinctly with my ex way back in the day, like when I was working at the newspaper, uh, but before they even gave me the video game column, I remember on a ride back to Columbia from Kansas city, her being like, yeah. And like, you know, I forget an aunt or mom or whoever, it wasn't even that bad of a, a comment, but it was a, a, one of those things of like, does he really think this is going to happen? And I remember I pulled over on the, on a not busy highway. Don't worry. It wasn't, it was, it was 70, but nobody was on it. I pulled over on the side of the road and I was like, you have to understand. And, I, and I'm like, I can't put this into words, but you have to understand. I can feel it happening. 
Like, I understand that I work at a daily newspaper and I'm not writing about games right now, but I know that this is leading there and I can't tell you why and I can't tell you how, but it's happening. And that was good enough for her and it was good enough for me. I always felt that draw, you know, back to the thing before we were talking about of like the grind of this and how hard this is and like the people who won't make it trying to do what we do wash out. And I do not mean that as an insult. I do not mean that as, oh, they're not talented. They're, I'm sure they're plenty talented. It's when you get into the realities of how hard this is and how low the return on investment is. Even when I was doing the personal YouTube that would then become kind of funny, right? Like every, I put up a video every Tuesday and Thursday, right? And every Tuesday and Thursday, they went up at 6 a.m. So I could still be on time for IGN. And I would be in the comments at, from 6 to 7. And I was talking to, I was on videos about Oreos that were getting a grand total of time, like 5,000 views. And I was talking to the same 35 commenters, right? But it wasn't like, oh, this sucks. Or, oh, this is, I, I, if I just keep doing this, tomorrow I'm going to have 35,000 views on this. No, it was like a learning experience. It was a building experience. And again, it was speaking to the right people with my idea of what we were doing, what I was trying to build excuse me, sorry, for, you know, having this channel on my own, it was an extension of what I was already doing. And it was an extension of how do I find the community members that want to be that active with what I'm doing. And that really is, I mean, it's so important in this space, especially with live streaming and stuff like that. Just kind of, you know, people see, especially the the uber successful people, they're like, oh man, you know, that's what I want to do. But it's like, what you're missing is that it, it has been years of work that has led up to that pinnacle point. You know what I mean? And yeah. really you can't think about that. It's taking it one day at a time, you know, building and growing and learning uh, as you go along. And then the people that you meet within the community, your community really is just a reflection of you. You know what I mean? And the people that you are drawing. Uh, so, you know, again, I can't emphasize just the importance of the community aspect of, you know, digital content creation and, and, and creating as opposed to, Hey, I'm just making something, uh, to throw into the either. And I hope people like it. You know, you're, you're making something specific that people enjoy, that they are a part of, that they are helping, like you said, from the ground floor. Yeah. Lucas, do you have anything else? Uh, let, let me just ask your general opinions. Where do you stand today? What's your feeling heading into next gen systems here? And what, what are your expectations there for that? I mean, it's such a weird time to be launching systems. So what are you ex expecting for that launch window? I'm expecting great things. I think it, for me personally, like, I'm excited, obviously. I think it's a more subdued uh, launch console generation turn than before. Yes, COVID being a part of that, but also just being the part of like, where we're at with how these are iterations. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's a tired thing and it's not exactly apples to apples, but we're to the point where I remember when I would get a new iPhone every two years and I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be so much faster. It's going to be this. And now when Apple drops a new iPhone, I'm like, oh sure. And I click the button and it shows up and I swap it out. And I'm like, it's better, I guess. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm excited <laughs> that it runs. Like that's how I am. Like, you know, I have the Xbox Series X over here behind me, right? And like the load times on it are insane. The visuals on it are insane. It's so good, but it's iterating on it, right? And that's what's so weird is like, I'm so excited to have my PlayStation 5 on launch day and boot up Avengers and see how much faster it runs with me and my friends as we run <laughs> through our dailies. Like, it's yeah, what's I'm already playing Fortnite on Xbox. You know what I mean? Like, I'm excited for obviously Miles and uh, uh, Miles Morales and yeah. Demon Souls and, you know, Bug Snacks, whenever that's dropping and all the list goes on. But it's not like, 
it's also mixed in with cyberpunk and it's also mixed in with Assassin's Creed. And it's all these things that like, we're having a great year period, let alone to get these new boxes. I just hope the boxes make the experiences I'm already playing that much better. That is my expectation. And then next year, I think we start to get into, this is the stuff that can only be done here. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that too, because it, it does like a lot of things, especially technology wise, feels like iterations as opposed to these big innovative changes that we were getting here yeah. earlier, you know, uh, uh, 2010-ish and, and, and earlier. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and I'm excited too. What do you, what do you, I want to know what your thoughts are though, because I really, I very much believe that people are setting themselves up for the the next step, which I believe is cloud gaming and being able to do that effectively. What are your thoughts on that? Cloud gaming is awesome. Uh, you know, it's one of those that you're still seeing everybody in this infant stage of it, trying to figure it out. But like when Stadia was talking the talk, I was so gung ho of like, yes, please. This is what I, I want it to be. <laughs> and then at the same time, xCloud popping up. And then, you know, I really think Stadia dropping the ball, but xCloud surging ahead and being like, guess what? All of Game Pass is on it. Guess what? I think when they turn that corner and it's like, guess what? All of all of Xbox is on it. All the stuff you already mm-hmm. own is on it. That's where it gets interesting. And I think, you know, obviously as a country, America, we have to catch up a lot with our Wi-Fi speeds and get it everywhere and get, you know, mm-hmm. high speed internet easily accessible. But as that inevitably happens, then it does get to be this really interesting thing. And what is PlayStation 5 is PlayStation for this next seven years, right? Xbox as a platform is Xbox for the next seven years. And it's what I keep talking about of like, I can't, Game Pass is such a ridiculously good idea and such a ridiculously good price that at what point, even if you're a diehard Sony person, you've bought a PlayStation, you're all in, does Xbox put out, let's just say the next Hellblade, right? And it is fantastic. It's getting 10 out of 10s. There's no more honor of an Xbox, right? It is, well... For 15 bucks, I can try it and cloud stream it to my PC or, or my phone or my whatever. You know what I mean? Like all the different tablets and obviously we're in the future and that. But when that happens, like, and you get a taste of it and you go, man, this is incredible. Maybe I'll stick around. All right, I'm sticking around. Man, I'd like to play this on my TV and it, maybe use the Chromecast or whatever. But do you go, man, why don't I buy an Xbox? Well, I could buy an Xbox Series S, but I want it to look the like. I don't think Xbox's strategy out of the gate, especially after the year PlayStation or the generation PlayStation 4 has had, out of the, I don't think Xbox out of the gate is going to be like, bam, boom, we fixed everything. These consoles are flying off the shelves. I mean, they will for launch, but you know what I mean? The, the, the tail of it. Wow, everybody about It'll really be this Trojan horse, war of attrition, Xbox being everywhere. And then it being, you look at PlayStation and, well, remote play has always sucked. <laughs> have they even tried to keep up with playstation now and i mean i'm talking about the future version of it have they tried to keep up with what xbox and xcloud and uh you know games with gold and all that have been doing i don't know like i think that you're in for a very interesting generation and it's going to be very interesting from news you know i think this console launch is going to be awesome and exciting and i also think it's going to be in a lot of ways a crapshoot for playstation where we want you, uh, you know, smart delivery has been said over and over again, and it sounds like a buzzword too. When there is literally no problem playing your Xbox 360, whatever game on this, and your cloud, you started it on your Xbox One uh, X, and now you want to play it on your Series X, and there's no problem. When you turn and you look at PlayStation, it's like, oh, sorry, your Yakuza save won't work from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5. And lots of promises of how the clouds and backwards and all this is going to work. Is that going to work on day one? 
Am I going to be able to play Avengers on day one? I know. I know they've said I can. I know they've said I can. <laughs> can someone tell me how I'm going to get my save over there and how that's going to work? Exactly. Avengers isn't server side. That is PlayStation 4. And so if my PlayStation 4 save from Avengers can work with the PlayStation 5 version of Avengers, why can't your Yakuza PlayStation 4 save work with the PlayStation 5? It's like there's something going on there and nobody's spelling it out yet. Exactly. No, I agree. It, it's funny because... I remember when uh, PlayStation bought into uh, uh, Microsoft for that cloud infrastructure. I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, PlayStation now is is basically trashed here. Um, they're already too far behind to try to come up with something now. They have to build it or, or buy into that infrastructure. And Microsoft, man, they've had that game plan. You know, again, I've never, I'm totally a Sony fanboy, but you know what else I have? I have a PC. You know what else I have? I have Game Pass. So yep. I can play all the Xbox I want to or any of those games uh, on my PC. I was like, they are, they are smart. They've been future thinking this whole time as far as what they're building. Building. They just want you in their uh, in their uh, not ecosystem. their economy, but their, yeah, in their ecosystem. Yes. Yep. And and yeah, they're executing. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, I know Amazon Luna yeah. just recently uh, came out as well, which that to me seems like one of the more promising promising ones with them having a web app uh, based on iPhone and iOS devices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a backbreaker for me, right? Like I love xCloud and I also love my, my Apple devices. And so I have my <laughs> iPad, I have my iPhone. I'm like, oh God, here we go. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, why can't this be everywhere and be easy? It'll be interesting to see what happens with Luna and how many gaming services we can. But even the fact that Luna is approaching it from such a different thing of like, cool, there's the Luna channel for $5.99 and then there's the Ubisoft channel, which will get you all the ultimate editions on day one and stuff. And it's like, man, that's interesting. And like, are where how where does that end is xbox crazy enough to make an xbox channel <laughs> like yeah where right. do we go with that no nah, that's that is very true yo greg we don't want to take up any more of your time where can we find you on the interwebs oh the easiest place is kind of funny.com you can get there you can look at kind of funny on youtube kind of funny on uh, kind of funny games on youtube all the all the twitters all the things all the patreons all the things. Now, we appreciate you being on here. Thank you so much for taking the time to join Lucas and I uh, here on this show. We appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Lucas, what do you got going on uh, uh, for the week? Uh, not much. I My quest to take first in Super Mario Bros. 35 is it. It's going to happen. I can, I'm going to speak it into existence. What about yourself? I believe in you, my friend. <laughs> Say, man, I'm I'm on that Destiny 2 grind. I'm on that. I'm going to slow up on Metal Gear, though, just knowing that there is no way that I'm going to beat it before the PlayStation 5 quitter comes talk. out. That's quitter talk. <laughs> that is quitter talk. You're right. I'm still playing it. I'm just because I still have Avengers. I've got some other games uh, that I need to uh, go to Tsushima. Mm. I still need to. I haven't even started that yet. I haven't even started it yet. I'm just, I'm, I am. See, that's a game. Just wait for PlayStation five. Just play it with the, I know. yeah, the, with the beef yeah. visuals and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's why, cause I, I have, I have a uh, Spider-Man. I haven't done that yet either. So I'm just going to get the miles Morales Hell yeah. and then yeah, do just start from the beginning and then play them all, all the way through. That's so. awesome. Yeah, dude, it, it'll be good for sure. Uh, Greg, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are going to be right back, guys, after this quick break. We got some more topics here on the way. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. 
from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools that make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for more than 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it first fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And welcome back. Thank you for listening to that message. And thanks again to Greg for chatting with us. Ryan, I know that that was a lot of fun to hear from him. And it's always interesting to hear people's stories and to see somebody go from working for one of the biggest video game media outlets to kind of creating their own thing and finding their own place in the world. Dude, yeah, that was awesome. It's always nice to hear, you know what I mean, hear somebody's story. And we've heard so many different stories that are kind of similar, but different and just people just, you know, doing things, getting into the space and really following their dream and what they're trying to do and, you know, letting it evolve as it evolves. So that, that was a great conversation with Greg. Again, thank you so much for being on. I wanted to move on though. We officially have a champion for Overwatch League and a San Francisco shock do the repeat, get the dub, get the trophy. They end up beating Seoul Dynasty four to two. It was crazy how this. So, so I, I'm pretty sure you predicted that the shock was going to win, correct? No, I had the dragons. You had the I dragons. Had, had who, was it that had, who was it that had uh, the shock? I can't remember. Somebody said the shock. Uh, I had mine. I said fusion and they, they got stomped on. They didn't, they got, they got goose egged in both the, the uh, uh, top bracket and the losers bracket. So that was unfortunate for them. Uh, and then, and then for the championship, you know, the shock and, and soul dynasty, they started off playing each other. Shock took that three, two, and then they end up meeting in the championship game. And or the t- championship match, and end up uh, shock takes it four to two. 
Yeah, what a run. I mean, obviously I'm surprised. Um, I honestly would say that on paper that was the Dragons to lose, and obviously they did, but congrats to the Shock. What a run. What a performance. And hey, if you're going to come up big time, obviously that's the time to do it. Absolutely. Stryker ended up getting the uh, MVP as well. He was a DPS player for uh, uh, the shock there. So congratulations to the organization and the uh, the, the entire team. That is a huge win. I, I do kind of want to, you know, something that was a little and I don't know if you you checked the numbers at all, but I remember at one point in time while the the uh, uh, grand finals uh, was going on, they had about eighty six thousand viewers. We've talked about it. I think we talked about it here a couple of weeks ago when we had a roundtable, just how much, I, you know, we feel viewership has hurt since they made the switch from Twitch over to uh, over to YouTube. And I know they were reporting issues with the drops not working correctly. You know, it, it, it really it really is sad to see that they're not, you know, that viewership just wasn't there uh, for, for the, these rounds. And, and I'm curious to see if they're going to make any pivots, any kind of moves moving forward, uh, for the next season, or we'll see what happens with the Overwatch League. You'd think that if they don't make a change, that this agreement is on thin ice to start next season. Like they, it, it's ridiculous, right? How are your drops not working during grand finals? Like, right. <laughs> I, I don't get right. that. You had all season to work out kinks, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating. Um, they shouldn't be having these kind of issues. Not not that far into a season. Not at the end. Not for your biggest event. Yeah. So that that's got to be figured out fast. Yeah, and I've seen some rumblings about them maybe changing up changing up the league just in general or breaking it up and making it something different. Um, it, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to see, cause I don't know, you know, COVID really uh, put a damper on what their plans were as far as having home stadiums and really bringing people into the venue. Uh, it's, it's really, I feel like it's really having a negative impact on the league as a whole. And I can't imagine that they wouldn't be, you know, looking forward to the future, you know, seeing what if, you know, they can't stick with that business business model, uh, especially, you know, who knows what next year is going to bring or what it's going to look like. So it'll be interesting to see if they make any changes as far as uh, or in regards to that as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people are probably willing to lump 2020 into just everything was bad so <laughs> when next season does roll around it would be nice to see them kind of get off to a fresh start it's a new beginning but you cannot afford <laughs> these glitches yeah. these technical hiccups i mean it, it's yeah i don't know what i am interested in is you know we had talked about at the beginning of our podcast about the travel that these players have to deal with i wonder if what they've learned through the COVID season will affect their plans or how they arrange things going forward at all for some more longer lasting change. Right. I, I can't see if they do for a season next, next year, I can't imagine them not going with a, like a bubble model uh, like we've seen in professional sports. Uh, it, it's been semi successful, I feel like, or no, it's been rather successful and NHL, you know what I mean? I don't know that there were really any reports of anybody, uh, uh, 
getting sick up there. I know that the NFL has had some issues, uh, but again, they're not really in a bubble uh, per se. So they're, they're bouncing around. So we're seeing some issues there, but we'll see how that uh, uh, we'll see how that goes. There was a pretty big uh, partnership that happened as well this weekend. There was Microsoft and GameStop (laughs) of all places (laughs) have entered into an agreement. Ryan, this surprised the heck out of me. Like, I know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where this came from. I don't know what is happening right now, but Microsoft is just making moves left and right. Yes. Um, I'm still not totally clear on what this will mean exactly. It sounds like uh, implementing a lot of Microsoft systems into the store experience into GameStop. Um, I had read an article uh, from GameStop, the website, that it might make GameStops a little more akin to like the Apple Store uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting moves, though. This was a surprising move to me. GameStop seemingly finds these lifelines out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, this is I, I, I guess you could say this is mutually beneficial especially for GameStop, which we know, you know, especially the models that that we're seeing today with cloud gaming and digital only purchases and things like that. These brick and mortar stores are, are going to be struggling more and more as we move further along. So GameStop, again, they have to figure out a way to be able to keep their stores open, you know, because there's always going to be a crowd of people that that want those physical discs, at least as long as they exist. Uh, so there's going to be, you know, there's people there that 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 want that experience and want that from them. This is huge because this is definitely going to keep them afloat longer. Uh, just having some backing from Microsoft, this is going to be able to get them so that they're they are all basically working as one. Uh, so I imagine there's going to be uh, it'll be a lot more efficient, and hopefully we'll see some changes uh, within the stores as far as with this. I did see that they their stock jumped up forty percent. Uh, so that's, that was pretty huge in regards to that. And then also, you know, they're going to be offering, and I know there's other stores that are offering this as well, but they're going to be doing the, um, it's the, the packaged Xbox all access. So you basically can get the, the new Xbox as well as the all access game pass, um, for 24 months, I believe it's like $36 or something like that, which is great. Here's the other great part about that is that it is interest free. So you don't have to pay again, Microsoft making these consumer moves. I really, really feel like they are, they have listened to their base. They are making moves to be able to make uh, and have more interesting original IPs under their belt. They are making consumer moves with the the having the the S series and something that's a really really consumer friendly price at two ninety nine. They're giving you all the games, all the platforms, wherever you want to play. Again, I, I really feel like we're seeing like almost on a daily or like weekly basis where they are just making these power moves and saying like they are just executing this plan, and we're starting to see these 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 little pieces start to build a bigger uh, picture. It almost makes you wonder, are like Sony and Nintendo just kind of like watching all this going, what's happening? (laughs) 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 But yeah, you know, clearly Microsoft has always had this vision and now they're executing it in big ways. And this is something where Sony is going to have to play catch up in a lot of different areas. Uh, I would say Nintendo, but Nintendo never seems to follow the trend right. anyway so who knows what nintendo is going to do but 
this is really exciting. You know, it's too many times we see a company say, we're going to listen to our customers, but they don't. That's all lip service. Microsoft right. has clearly taken that to a very high degree. It's cool to see, right? It's cool that we're seeing the future of gaming kind of unfolding those next steps in gaming. So that is fun to see. Um, what I always kind of laugh at with GameStop, though, is you're, you're entering into this partnership but Microsoft is all about Game Pass, which means GameStop's not going to be selling many uh, <laughs> copies right. of games if Microsoft has their way. So that's kind of funny to me. GameStop's always been in this weird spot where as gaming's pushed toward a more digital future, where does that leave a game store? So it, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, well, and according to this uh, article I was reading here on uh, SeekingAlpha.com, uh, I think it was saying that Microsoft accounted for about 10% of new product purchases in 2018 and 2017. So they're not getting a majority. The majority of their their purchases are coming from Nintendo and PlayStation. So I think they're kind of going in already like, look, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Again, I don't know what what. You know, what Microsoft's plan is for GameStop per se, other than, you know, completely optimizing them and, and getting them all into the ecosystem. Again, they're building they're building a monolith is what we're seeing. And this is just one piece to that monolith. It is. It would be kind of funny to buy like your PlayStation 5 from a GameStop run by Microsoft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're living in strange mm-hmm. times still. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yo, yo, I also wanted to sneak in. And for those of you guys uh, that have been here for a while since the, the early on days, remember when we were talking about Amazon coming out? They came out with their first game. It was called Crucible. It was a MOBA uh, free to play uh, here like a few months ago. They actually took it off the shelf and put it back in the closed beta. So you couldn't get access to it unless you already had the the game downloaded they recently uh here a, a few days ago uh, amazon just officially canceled crucible and they are sending that team basically to work on new world their mmo so rip to uh <laughs> rip to crucible i played it I, I played it a little bit and it was okay it was okay i i'd have to say though like that's a hard genre to really jump into and and you know what i mean like it's not a forgiving genre at all and uh you know i i think i, I think it was probably smart of them to to just let go of it and and move that team and move move those resources over to New World, which is looking and sounding like it's a lot more promising. Yeah, so this is has got to be the only game in video game history to be released, <laughs> then unreleased, and then right. canceled. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Crazy. You know, looking back on that, when they did bring it back to closed beta, that was probably putting it on thin ice right there because the narrative's already set, right? People are going to be like, wait a second, <laughs> this got yeah. released and now you're saying, never mind, we got a lot Stop. of stuff to fix. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's got to be tough to overcome anyway. Uh, talk about, though, a misfire, right? As With all the resources Amazon has to come out swinging with a game like Crucible, 
and then to be like, well, it never got off the ground. Uh, yeah. Not even close. Not the best start for Amazon's gaming journey here. No, but you know what? I, I feel like it's it's a very real start, though. You know what I mean? Their first their first IP and it ends up flopping and and not doing well. You know, there's there's always failure in in a uh, success story, right? So this could, you know, again, they're they're still at it. They're still new world. Uh, they still, you know, they they recently launched Luna as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if the, there's more in store for them. But yeah, this was, you know, they they quickly moved on from this instead of stringing people along, uh, and you know, possibly leaving hope out there for those that did enjoy playing Crucible. They're like, look, we're gonna be real with you. It ain't it ain't it, dog. It ain't it. So, <laughs> and if you're on the new world team, your bar for success just got lowered so much. You're breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a, a weight lifted off the shoulders, dude, for sure. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see about new world, though. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of uh, promising, promising uh, things about that game and whatnot. So. Uh, that should be that should be pretty solid. I did want to uh, uh, before we take off here. Uh, I wanted to go through some of the uh, we've had some uh, some reviews. Um, studying failure uh, says uh, as someone who enjoys video games myself, this podcast is an awesome listen. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Ollie says, I'm not a uh, I'm not a gamer, but I still find this podcast interesting and the host engaging. Keep on keeping on. You know, we will. Uh, Interesting. (laughs) Interesting gaming podcast with all the distracting banter. It's so many podcasts today. Winham girl, I feel you on that. We like we like to get right to the point. And then stumble upon says, I'm not a big gamer myself, but a lot of my housemates are. So this helps me know what they're talking about. That's what I love to hear. Uh, you know what I mean? Just giving you guys little snippets of what's going on in the gaming world is fantastic. So thank you guys so much uh, for for reviewing and, and leaving us a comment. We do. We do uh, appreciate that love. You can also hit us up on Twitter. It's at Lucas Egan or at Smitty two four four seven. Holla. Lucas, what do you have going on? You finally did it this past weekend. Tell me how you felt. It happened. (laughs) I swear, when it got down to the final two people, my screen went dark for a second after I'd won, and I didn't know what the heck was happening. (laughs) I thought it froze, and I was about to rage quit like no other. (laughs) (laughs) If if that would have froze on me, I would have never picked up the game again. I would have just been like, nope done fate does not want me to win this <laughs> yeah but yeah the sweet taste of victory was worth every second and to be honest i haven't played it since i've just enjoyed the victory <laughs> yeah walk away but, yo that's a mic drop right there that's a mic <laughs> drop right there <laughs> but yeah i think i am gonna jump back into avengers it's been a little bit since i played it yeah. heavily so that's gonna be my plan this weekend what about yourself Nice. I'm on that uh, Destiny 2 grind. I'm just trying to gear up and, and get everything that I can before uh, Beyond Light drops here next month. So getting on that. It's been a little bit since I've been on uh, Avengers as well. So I might pick that up a little bit. And and I think there's another update uh, that came out that recently came out for that. I don't know what kind of changes were in there. But, uh, you know, the, I mean, those those 
those service games are, you know, they're, they're tough, man. Like, I feel like definitely, you know, from my standpoint, I feel like there's definitely a lack of content right now in there and it gets a little monotonous. So it's like, you know, hopefully they, uh, they, they make some changes, bring some new things in and whatnot. I know everybody would enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a topic for another episode, but I'll just say quickly, Avengers looks like it's getting toward a tipping point with its player counts where um, they need some new content to win some people back. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, my friend. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us here on Land Parties. We appreciate it. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces. Let's <laughs> go.